for me, when I sing this song, the lyrics ring a little bit different than they did a year ago. Because God, He comes through. And when we sing things like, when darkness tries to roll over my bones, who went through that? Some of us did, right? God is there to get us through it. So let's sing this one more time. Let's put our hands together. My fear doesn't stand. Because you're with the slow. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I'm standing in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I'm
Oh, oh, oh. 
to celebrate for his kiddos. Faithful
So maybe you're here online or in person and you're waiting for God to come through for you uh, with your health or your finances or an important relationship in your life that isn't the way you would like it to be or or even just an important decision you have to make. And uh, I feel like I'm in a waiting period with some very important areas of my life. And and I'm like, is it a no or is it just a not now? And recently, just this past week, he reminded me in a very specific way what I thought was a no I was so frustrated and stressed it was just a not now and then not now became yes and then I looked back and went, man I I spent a lot of emotional energy being upset about something I thought was a no that was a not now and I don't know if you can relate to that if you're in that season right now um, but I want to encourage you with this verse I don't have the address for it but the apostle Paul wrote it letter in the New Testament. He wrote it to a guy named Timothy, and he said to Timothy, God is faithful even when you are faithless, because he cannot deny who he is. He's just faithful. And so I love singing those songs that just speak to his faithfulness, because I can relate to being the faithless one in that relationship with God, where he's faithful, and sometimes I'm just faithless. And one way God has just been so faithful to me over my lifetime is, uh, area of, of uh, finances. I got my first job at 13, bussing tables at a family-owned restaurant in Clovis, California, and I started making a paycheck every couple weeks. It was so cool, and my parents had always kind of brought me up to say, hey, you know, set aside a portion for God. So for the last 31 years, I've been setting aside uh, 10% or more of what uh, I make to the Lord, and I don't share that as a boast. I, I share that as like, I am so I feel so blessed to get to experience God's faithfulness to me in my finances because logically you should never give anything away to anybody if you want to do better financially, right? Uh, but God is so faithful and has been so faithful. And so just two ways, giving, if you're kind of uh, maybe unsure what tithe or giving is even about, I, I can't go into all that, but two ways, um, giving regularly has blessed me over my lifetime since I was 13. One way is whenever I give, it's like spraying Roundup on my heart. And it kills the weeds of greed that want to grow in there because I have weeds of greed that want to grow. And whenever I can give regularly to someone else, it's like spiritually God's like, all right, now we can start to kill some of these things that want to take root. And another way is every time we give, 
my family and I give, it's just a reminder of who actually is my provider. Like who actually kind of oversees my life and is in control of all things. And so if you're here today and uh, uh, maybe there's some fear around uh, giving regularly, maybe there's some tension, maybe there's some medical bills, maybe there's some debt, maybe there's some real expenses or challenges of faith that make it hard for you to give. I'm just going to ask this. I'm not even going to ask you, you to give unless you feel compelled to give. I just want to pray. I want to pray for you that God would uh, have an opportunity to show how faithful he can be with your finances uh, when you trust him with it. So would you please uh, join me in prayer? God, I just thank you for all my friends here gathered online and in person. I thank you that you were so faithful. I thank you that some of the no's that I think are no's are really not yes, and I still would rather them just be yes whenever I ask, but I pray you would help me in this waiting. Help those of us right now who are waiting on you for something, Lord, to have confidence in a God who's faithful. And may, Lord, uh, sometimes the most difficult area to trust you with is with our budget. So, Lord, I pray you would increase our confidence in God, that, Lord, we would come to know what it's like to be blessed by letting you have access to all that we have in our lives. So, Lord, just give us courage and faith and hope and help us to remember that you are faithful. And we sure do love you. We just pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. We now want to give you an opportunity to give. Uh, So we're just going to take a minute uh, if you'd like to give this morning, and then we'll be right back. Thank you so much. Well, thank you guys for your, your generosity. I want to share uh, how you guys are being generous that are helping Crossroads be generous to our, uh, our local community. If you've not heard this, this is super cool. Uh, but we have started a food pantry, and we have uh, access through a pastor named Pastor Terry down in Salt Lake, access to a warehouse full of food that is donated that we are bringing up to northern Utah to help donate to our school. So if you don't know this, this is really cool. You may even have a kid that goes here. So Newbridge Elementary 
um, James Madison Elementary School, and Uinta Elementary School. All these schools had food pantries, and we are now on a weekly basis able to fill their food pantries at these Title I schools so they can get food to the families that those teachers and those staff at those schools know need it the most. So they're able to send them home on the weekends with a ton of stuff. And what's really cool is we're building more and more relationships. So Ben Loman High School is now a part of that, and now uh, Mound uh, Fort or something, Mount Fort Junior High, is now a part of that. And so it's just increasing, increasing, increasing. So all that to say is if you're, if you're here today watching her in person and you ever uh, know of a, a friend or neighbor who needs food, we have food in our pantry in this building downstairs. We can send you home with food today. You can deliver it to their house, just surprise them, bless it, leave it at their door, whatever you want to do. Or maybe you're here in person today or online, and you're the one that is in need. Would you please call this number and just let us know? We would love to bless you with it. And uh, if, you're, if you're neither of those right now, but you just want to help uh, supply the food pantries or get the food to the schools, here's what you can do. We have a box outside of this uh, campus. If you want to pop over any day during the week and drop off uh, non-perishable items, just put them in the box that sits outside, or just bring it with you on a Sunday. You just bring it when you're on your way to church and multitask and just drop it off so we can put that into our food pantry. And, uh, and then also every Tuesday, we drive down to Salt Lake and we pick up more food to, and then we drive to the schools. We just drive to the schools and drop them off. It's the most cool thing in the world. I know it's sometimes during people's work hours, but if you ever want to ditch school or work, I don't know. I feel like you can cut school, right? If you're going to help people that need food. I don't know. Parents, yeah, that's probably not right. That's probably not good. But uh, talk to your parents first. But if you're working, maybe your employer would be like, hey, you can, you know, way to go. We'll get a star next to your name for doing community work. Maybe you could ditch work and come and, and do that and, and help that. I'm being a really bad influence. So anyways, uh, it's all for people who need food. So that's good. So uh, you can do that, uh, and or you know, again, you can just help donate food. So this is super exciting. I want to thank you guys for your generosity. So could you clap for all of yourselves for everything you guys are doing? Way to go! <laughs> and would you please give a warm welcome to Crystal or Ogden Campus Pastor? She comes up and shares with us today. <laughs> thank you, Pastor Crystal. <laughs> Did Adam just encourage kids to skip school? I think he did. I feel like he did. Yeah. <laughs> but he also gave us all permission to skip work, so there's that too. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. Um, I love to come here. It's always like a reunion for me. I get to see people I don't see very often. Um, it's like visiting out-of-state family is what it feels like for me. So I'm so happy to be with you all this morning. Um, as Adam mentioned, I see a lot of faces I'm not familiar with in the room today. So um, I have the pleasure and honor of pastoring our campus in Ogden on 2nd Street. And it is definitely one of the joys of my life. So um, I'm happy to be with you and meet you today if we haven't met as of yet. And welcome to everybody online. I'm just going to give a special shout out to my mama because she faithfully watches every week. So hi, mom. Dixie, yes. Jen, Jen says hi too, mom. Okay. Um, I am so excited to be uh, closing out our Warrior series. We've been in the series for several weeks and it's been one that has been um, 
fun and challenging and interesting on so many levels. We've been looking at what it looks like to be a man or woman warrior for God. And we've been digging deep into the subject. And in week one, we looked at um, what it means to lead and what it means to not abdicate our role. And this message was particularly leaning toward the men and what it looks like to accept responsibility even when it may not be your fault. And we said, warriors know that looking the other way doesn't mean it will go away. And then week two, we were leaning more toward females. And we were talking about settling for less than God's best. And Pastor Shannon, she took us into the meaning of the word ezer and how it comes from two root words, meaning to rescue and to save and to be strong. And we talked about how warriors settle in their minds to never settle for less than God's best. And then week three, we talked about walking in vulnerability and transparency. And that week, we were speaking mainly to men and that warriors find their strength when they share their weakness. Warriors find their strength when they share their weakness. In week four, this was just last week, this one was speak, speaking mainly to females. And we talked about the comparison trap and how it is absolutely a trap. It robs us. And, and Zaina, she shared at the Ogden campus this quote, it was amazing, that the fastest way to kill something special is to compare it to something else. And that warriors fight comparison with compliments. Both ladies, they ended their message talking last week about the power of our words. The fact that the power of life and death are found in our tongues. That we can use our words to fight comparison by building people up, by speaking life. And I honestly could not think of a better launching pad for today's message. Because you see, today's message is all about our words. And today's message is for both male and female. So listen up. Will you pray with me? Jesus, we just come before you this morning, Lord, and we are so excited for what you have for us today. We are so expectant. Lord, I pray that we open our hearts fully, that we open our ears fully. Lord, that we would lay down 
any sort of expectation or thought process that would go against what you would want to share with us today, Lord. I pray that I would completely remove myself. I surrender every note, every everything to you this morning, Jesus. And I just ask you to have your way in each life, here in the room, online, wherever they are, Lord. Lord, we worship you today. In your name we pray, amen. So my husband and I, Dave, we blended a family um, 16 years ago now. And this is a picture that we took right before our wedding. My husband has two daughters, Emily in the green tank top, Brianne in the blue tank top. Ooh, sorry, I get a little emotional when I look at that picture. Um, and then I have Nathan in the blue t-shirt. Those of you that know Nate, he's changed a little bit. <laughs> and then uh, precious little Maggie. Those of you that know Megan, she has not changed a lot. <laughs> so when we were blending this family, we told the children, we said, hey, you don't have to call Crystal mom, and you don't have to call Dave dad, um, but we would love for you guys to come up with nicknames um, for us so that we have something special that's just between us. So Nathan and Megan came up with the nickname Daddy-O for Dave. So those of you that have been around our family, you've heard them refer to Dave as Daddy-O, um, and that was the nickname that they came up for him. And the girls came up with the nickname for me, CJ, because my middle name is Jean. So that was my nickname, and not only did the girls call me that a lot, Dave calls me that a lot still today. And... Um, I really love it because it reminds me of that time in our life, and it's kind of just this sweet thing that was just between our family. So it's interesting what nicknames can do, right? They can create this kind of really sweet, special bond. So... Megan, in the last few years, has been back and forth to Australia. She was with YWAM. And uh, the last two times ago when she came back, she started this kind of ground-level campaign where she started to call me Chris. Out of the blue, out of the blue one day. She's like, hey, Chris. I'm like, what? Chris Lear is nowhere in this room. Who are you talking to? And so, like, it was subtle at first, but she called me and she'd be like, Chris, listen. And I asked her recently, I'm like, Megan, where did that start and how did it continue? And she goes, have no idea why it started loved your reaction, couldn't help but continue. <laughs> Could not help it. And so I was like flabbergasted. Um, 
then one day, I'm on the phone with Nate, and he's like, listen, Chris, um, <laughs> and then Dave's like, Chris, uh, you need to quit getting fired up, and all of a sudden, I was Chris in my house, like overnight, I was Chris, and they loved it. They fed off of each other, like they were, so, so then it took on more life. So then all of a sudden, I don't know if it was Nate's friend Graham who started it first or if it was my husband Dave, but then all of a sudden I was Rev Chris. Like Reverend Chris, Rev Chris. Rev Chris. One time Graham was like, listen, Rev Chris is going to bring us into the throne room of God tonight. So we need to, and I was like, so it was Rev Chris. Then Dave was like, PRC. And I'm like, PRC? He goes, yeah, Pastor Rev Chris. PRC. And then they expanded it at Christmas, and it was Chrysler. <laughs> and this nickname that was so, like, in the beginning, I was genuinely bugged, is now, like, my favorite thing. Like, I feel so known and loved, but those of you that don't know about this, now you understand. Because, like, one time, Megan was having a conversation with Jen, and Jen's like, who is this Chris you're talking about? She's like, my mom, Chris. So, now, also, Nathan and Megan, who are watching online, I do love the word mom. I still love that word. So, once in a while, it's nice. Just so, you, just so you know. But this name has become mine, and it's become ours. And it creates this emotion where I feel so known and loved and special, and it's fun. But I know nicknames can be painful, too. I know name-calling and naming can be painful. I know being labeled can be ugly. I know those things can happen. In fact, it's interesting when I was preparing this message and I was thinking back over the course of my life, I can remember every single ugly word and phrase I have been called over the course of my life, starting as far back as kindergarten. I can even remember Carol Haney, who was in my kindergarten class, and Roy Clark, when Roy stood up and told her she was a fat pig. That was my first, like, shocking exposure of cruelty, and I couldn't keep the tears from falling, and it made my belly hurt, and I didn't understand it, but I knew those words killed her that day a little bit, that those words were a weapon, and I would come to learn quickly that words could be turned on me. And, and I remember every time I was called ugly, stupid, dumb, that I didn't have any friends, 
all those things would mark me. And you know, there's a saying that says it takes, is it 10? Is it seven? Positive things for every one ugly thing? It's hard for me to remember anything positive. And I know I've had beautiful things spoken over me, but I can remember every horrible one, but it's hard for me to remember the positive. And I do remember some positive. I remember the year my dad and his friend opened a clothing store in Oregon. It was a dream come true for me. I've always loved clothes from the time I was just tiny. I loved them. And so, oh my gosh, what a moment. My dad opened a clothing store. Like, it was my world's colliding, the best of things. And I remember going in the dressing room. I could try on everything I wanted and coming out in a little skirt and sweater and doing this to my dad. And I remember him going, you're so beautiful. I remember that. And I'm glad I have that memory. And I know it wasn't the only time, but it was a time that, that marked me. And I remember my senior year. Um, I had a teacher. It was my home act teacher. And she said, I really want you to try for Sterling Scholar. I feel like you're really talented. I feel like you can win. And I think you should go for it. And the power of her words made me feel like I could do something, that I could be something, that I could do it. And I did, and I won. And I would have never tried had she not spoken that to me. You see, in Proverbs 15, 14, 15, 4, it says, kind words heal and help, cutting words wound and maim. Kind words heal and help, cutting words wound and maim. And you know, words, we can go all the way back to the beginning. So let's, let's do, let's go to Genesis 3, 11 and 12. And we find the Lord and he says, who told you that you were naked? The Lord God asked, have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? The man replied, it was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit, and I ate it. You see, in the beginning, Adam used his words to pass the buck and blame Eve. Adam's attempt to use his words to blame Eve is so consistent with our human nature. Few of us are willing to simply say as David did, I have sinned against the Lord. Significantly, if there's any blame, it is on Adam, not Eve. Not only does Adam unjustly accuse Eve, but also he refuses to accept proper responsibility for his part in her sin. By saying the woman whom you gave to be with me, Adam essentially uses his words to blame God for the sin, saying you gave me the woman and she is the problem. Adam wasn't content to blame Eve, he had to blame God also. 
Charles Spurgeon says he was guilty of unkindness to his wife and of blasphemy against his maker. In seeking to escape from confessing the sin which he had committed, it is an ill sign with men when they cannot be brought, frankly, to acknowledge their wrongdoing. We have been using our words poorly ever since. Many people, you could say, use their words recklessly and dangerously. I know I have. You see, I love words. I love to read words. I love to write words. I'm a natural-born saleswoman. I can string words together in beautiful, amazing ways. I have spent more time repenting of my words than almost anything I've done in my life. Because I learned young how to twist them to get what I wanted or to make somebody hurt just so. I don't know if you can find yourself in any of these categories, but I am going to list them out here they are. How many of you have used your words to blame someone else? How many of you have used your words to gossip? How many of you have used your words to spread rumors? How many of you have used your words to lie? How many of you have used your words to be sarcastic? And how many of you have used your words to call somebody a name? I'm going to go a little deeper here. Please hear me. This does not just involve the words we say out loud. It does not just involve the words we say out loud. I am talking about the words we use under our breath when we're walking away. The words we use after we slam the door. The words we use in our car. The words we use when we think we're alone. The words we utter inside of ourselves. The words we use when we type on a keyboard. The words we use with just the right tone. These things, friends, these things affect our hearts. They change us. They harden our hearts. They harden our hearts and our view of people. When we categorize people or individuals or think that's not a big deal, I don't even know them in real life, it hardens our hearts. And not only is it our words that we use as weapons against others, but it's also the words we use against ourselves. It's the negative self-talk. It's the lies we come in agreement with. It's the way we think about and describe ourselves to ourselves or others. It's the little tiny jokes and name-calling we do about ourselves. Are we God's masterpiece or not? Do we believe that or not? 
And if I believe it about myself, do I believe it about the person on the other side of the computer screen or in the other vehicle? The power of our words, good and bad, they stick with us, they affect us, they alter us, they have the power to alter our destiny. Did you know Jesus was a name caller? He used name calling to speak life into people's very soul and destiny. He used his words to speak life and restore identity. He literally used his words to change the way people thought about and looked at themselves. We're going to look at two stories today. Two men who Jesus calls out in the best possible way. The first one we're going to look at is John 1, 45 through 49. It says, Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, we have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth? exclaimed Nathanael. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see for yourself, Philip replied. As they approached, Jesus said, I just picture him looking at Nathanael. Now here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. He name calls. He name calls. How do you know about me, Nathanael asked. Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Then Nathanael exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the son of God the king of Israel. When I was preparing for this message, the Lord so clearly said to me, listen, it is not just about the names we call other people. It is about you calling my name. It is about you calling out my name and understanding who I am in your life. I can't speak life into somebody else if I don't understand who the creator of my life is on the deepest level. You see, he says, Rabbi, you are the son of God. In Matthew 16, 15 through 19, this story is so powerful, but I want to read to you a little bit ahead of it because you see, the disciples, they'd been with Jesus. They'd seen so many things. And I, I love this part because here they're with Jesus and they're discussing food. I love how much they talk about food in the Bible. And... Um, once again, they're in this place and they're like, we didn't bring enough bread. How? Because this is after the feeding of the five and the 4,000, but still don't have any bread. 
So they're like, we didn't bring any bread. Didn't bring any bread. Aware of this, Jesus said, you can just hear his frustration. You of little faith, why are you discussing among yourselves that you do not have bread? Don't you understand yet? Don't you remember the five loaves for the 5,000? Or the seven loaves for the 4,000? And how many large baskets you collected? You see, they still don't get it. They still don't get it. So here, here we pick up. And Jesus is asking them. He pressed them. And how about you? Who do you say I am? Jesus is asking. And Simon Peter said, You're the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus came back. God bless you, Simon, son of Jonah. You didn't get that answer out of books or from teachers. My Father in heaven, God himself, let you in on the secret of who I really am. And now I'm going to tell you who you are, really are. You are Peter, a rock. This is the rock on which I will put together my church, a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. He name calls Jesus, and Jesus calls him back. I, I was just flabbergasted as we were worshiping this morning. I was thinking, do we believe there's power in his name? Do we understand the power in his name? Do we understand who he is in our life? Do we really get that? Do we really get it? You see, this passage is, is found only in Matthew 16, 17 through 19. Both Mark and Luke record Peter's recognition of Jesus as the Christ, which immediately precedes this passage, but they don't record Jesus' response. The renaming of Simon carries forward a long biblical tradition that a breakthrough in spiritual awareness, a breakthrough in spiritual awareness can be accompanied by a new name, like Abram becoming Abraham and Jacob becoming Israel. You see, I think what has happened here is Simon has had a dramatic spiritual breakthrough, and Jesus is deeply moved as he witnesses it. How many of us could use a dramatic spiritual breakthrough? And how incredible to think of how it moves Jesus when that happens. In watching the unfolding ministry of this Jesus of Nazareth, Peter is suddenly aware that he is seen not just a gifted teacher, not just his rabbi, but the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, living among him. His name is power. His name is is life. In one story, Jesus calls something out. In one, he renames. But it is our ability to understand, embrace, 
and name call the name of Jesus that will be our solid foundation for our spiritual breakthrough. And as we recognize and embrace and call out Jesus for who he is, hear me, we better walk different. We better think different. And we sure as heck better talk different. We better be using our words different. Because warriors use their words to restore identity and change someone's destiny. That's what we're called to do. We are called to restore identity and change someone's destiny with the power of our words. Can I be candid with you for a minute? I'm really confused by us. I'm confused by the way we've been using our words lately. We have an opportunity here. God's given us opportunity. And quite frankly, we're so distracted by all the garbage that nobody seems to have time to call out identity or destiny in anybody. And not only that, if some of us started to, people probably wouldn't listen because of everything else we've been busy gossiping about, chatting about, spreading lies about. It is time for a fresh start, my friends. If you are in this room or you are online and you call yourself a Jesus follower, honestly, I cannot think of anything worse than you using your voice for something ugly. Because it is confusing to everybody that doesn't call themselves a Jesus follower. And if you are a Jesus follower, you are speaking from a place of authority. And when we have authority over people, our words carry more weight. And so... My mom taught me when I was little, because I told you I've been very good with my words for a very long time, that I better count to 10 before I say anything. I think a lot of us better start practicing that. Because every word counts. Every word counts that we say. It carries weight. And so... What if we used our words for good? Well, rather than tell you, I'm going to give you some examples because I happen to have a couple of friends that had words spoken over them recently and they were so special to them, they saved them on their phone and they shared them with me because that's how much weight it carried. So here's a letter that a friend of mine received. 
Hey, lady, I just wanted to tell you, listening to you with Jacob last night, you amazed me. You were so patient and so incredible at teaching him what to do, taking the time to let him do it, and explaining the program that we're using. I was so impressed at how well you worked with him. You are such an incredible nurse and person, and I love, love, love your face and having you on with us as a clinical coach. Someone in authority that took time to use their words to speak life over somebody changed her whole week, maybe her whole month. Dear so-and-so on official letterhead, this letter is your official notification that effective on this date, your whole series of benefits that were discussed are happening. This contribution increase is due to your value to this company and a commitment to continuing to develop your leadership skills. This is a well-deserved increase and I wanna thank you for your steadfast loyalty and commitment to our company's success. Took a picture of it, had it on his phone because he wants it with him wherever he goes. That's how much that meant to him. I bet the person that wrote that letter had no idea. My five-year-old spent over an hour last night taping up all of his artwork on his bedroom wall. When I told him it looked great, he proudly told me, my teacher said I'm an artist. I love teachers. <laughs> I love them so much, not just because my son is one, but because they literally pour their lives and speak destiny into our kids. What about coaches, bosses, parents, grandparents, older siblings? I could go on and on and on with possibility. But I'm gonna finish my stories with telling you about someone who spoke words to change my destiny. You wanna put that picture up? I don't know if you know Pastor Joe McCrillis. I'll never forget how my life was changed in the back corner of this room on a Sunday morning. It was changed forever. He couldn't hold his words back as he asked if he could have a word with me and my husband. And I wish I'd had a tape recorder, but I didn't. But he said to me, I think you're called to be a pastor. And I remember the words, you're gifted across the board. I remember the words, there's no one else I'd rather serve next to. But there was a fountain of words that came from his mouth and landed directly in my soul. 
because you see my soul leapt that day because I didn't know. I didn't know I was called to be a, a pastor. This little boy maybe didn't know he was called to be an artist until someone called it out in them and spoke life over it and said, I believe in you. And my life totally pivoted that day. And we all carry that weight. But we have to be about the business of speaking it and seeing it. And we have to understand who Jesus is and spend time with him and hang out with him if we're ever going to hear what he has to say about each other. And now I'm PRC. <laughs> Pastor Rev Chris, you guys. That's who I am now. You see, the enemy of our souls wants us to continue to live clothed in the flesh and controlled by our fallen nature. But those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passion and its desires. We may not feel like an heir to righteousness, but we are clothed in garments of salvation as children of the King of Kings. And as warriors, we must daily decide if we will allow this flesh to rule us. We can either live for ourselves or we can lay down on the altar of sacrifice because warriors use their words to restore identity and change someone's destiny. I'm going to read some words. I'm going to read them as a poem. They're a song. But I want to read them as a poem because I feel like it hits harder. Some days life feels perfect. Other days it's not working. The good, the bad, the right, and the wrong, and everything in between. It's crazy. It's amazing. We can turn our heart through the words we say. Mountains will crumble with every syllable. Hope can live or die. So speak life. To the deadest, darkest night, speak life. When the sun won't shine and you don't know why, then look into the eyes of a brokenhearted person. Watch them come alive as you speak hope. You speak love. Some days our tongues get twisted. Other days our thoughts fall apart. I do, I don't, I will, I won't. I'm drowning in the deep. But it's crazy to imagine words from my lips as arms of compassion. Mountains will crumble with every syllable. Hope can live or die. Speak life. Raise your thoughts a little higher. Use your words to inspire. And joy will fall like rain when you speak life. Be a name caller like Jesus.
Think about it. Who can you begin name-calling to? Who can you bring life and restoration to? I bet there's so many. I bet it's pages long. Will you pray with me? Jesus, help us to remember the power of our words. We talk about this subject so much, I don't want it to ever feel like, oh, we're talking about words again, because, because the truth is, words matter. Words matter to you, God. We matter to you. And that's why our words matter so much. So, Lord, I pray this week that we would name call that we're disciples, we're masterpieces, we're salt, we're light, we're children of God. Lord, help us as bosses, as sisters, as kids, as husbands, as wives, as employees to just speak life wherever we go because we have an opportunity right now like we've never had before and I don't want us to waste a second of it we do believe there's power in your name Jesus help us to act like it in your name we pray amen